We're going to start our, our new series this morning. It's called Your Heart. And uh, we're going to be looking at a few places in Scripture this morning. Um, when you think of a series called Give Your Heart, or a series called Your Heart, in particular this morning we're going to talk about giving your heart, uh, especially when it's in February, we get thinking about something uh, along the lines of love and relationships, and, and although we might touch on that, uh, this is not a series where we're going to talk about marriage and love and, and all, all uh, gushy things and uh, stuff like that. We're going to go a little bit of a different route, but focusing on your heart. Um, it was the day after Christmas, uh, I went to a local retail establishment, and to my surprise, instead of finding red and green and a store smelling like pine, I found this. Uh, it, it was almost miraculous, like elves had come in overnight and switched out Christmas for pink and red hearts everywhere. It was just overload. Um, and I, I think you probably saw that too. And you're like, what's the big deal? Now, hearts everywhere, love everywhere. Uh, you know, you could buy the day after Christmas, you could buy a Valentine's Day card for your sweetheart. And it's just almost sensory overload. Well, I want us to look at uh, this series. Is, is This is more, your heart is more than just love and roses. It, it's more than uh, the, even the, the physical aspects of your atria and your ventricles, uh, all the, the blood pumping that goes on. Uh, we're going to talk about your heart, which is the center, the core of your very being. The Hebrews believed that the heart was the center of, of a person's life spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. It's the core, what we believe, what we think, what we desire. So this is where we're going to go over these next few weeks, but today I want us to start with giving your heart. Give your heart. As you probably know, we give our hearts to a lot of things. Um, there's a, when, when you use that expression, I love blank, a lot of things come to mind. Um, a lot of people love the cold weather. I'm not one of them. A lot of people love rain. I've said it uh, a few times here that I know Texans love rain, but coming from the Pacific Northwest, I have had my entire lifetime uh, a share of rain. So even though I'm happy for you, I don't love rain. Um, uh, Pastor Beth this morning uh, accused me of praying against snow and uh, somehow manipulating the, the, the weather patterns. I told her I wasn't in management, I was in sales, and um, that uh, just she was going to have to up her prayer life and uh, pray for snow. But some people love snow. Um, I prefer it on the mountains. I love to go skiing and, uh, and uh, enjoy it there, but uh, others of you love snow. We love different things. Uh, we love and give our hearts to people, to places, to things. Some of you love and you give your hearts to the beach. How many people are beach lovers here? Yes. How many are, are mountain, you know, cabin up in the, in the mountains? You love that. Yes, we, we love things. We give our hearts to things. Some of us give our hearts to sports teams. Some of us give our hearts to, uh, to athletes. Some of us give our hearts to, to movies or food. 
How about food? We love our food. Well, one, there's one place in Scripture, and uh, uh, as we get through this series, you're going to find that, that God has a lot to say about your heart. God has a lot to say about your heart and how it's wired and what you should do with your heart. But there's one place in Scripture we have an example of the extent of a person giving their heart to things. Uh, this person is no surprise. This person is Solomon. In the book of Ecclesiastes, don't we turn to chapter 2? But in the book of Ecclesiastes, we have this guy named Solomon, King Solomon, who gave his heart to a lot of things. This, this guy wrote more than 3,000 proverbs. He authored and penned more than 1,000 songs. We're told he was a botanist and a biologist. He owned 1,400 chariots. Could you imagine owning 1,400 cars? Uh, this dude, he had a lot of stuff. He had over 12,000 horses. That's a, he must be a Texan. You know, he wore a hat and had 12,000 horses. So get this, I was doing a little research. King Solomon, every single year, acquired or collected more than 700,000 ounces of pure gold. And you start doing the math, I think uh, gold is about $1,200 an ounce right now. Uh, 700,000 ounces of gold, that's almost, that's uh, 949 thousand, uh, yeah, 940, no, sorry, 949 million dollars per year, almost a billion dollars worth of gold in today's standards that he was collecting every single year. That's a lot of money, that's a lot of gold. He loved other things too. We're told he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That's, that's giving your heart to a lot of people. Immense riches, endless possessions and opportunities. We're told that nothing was inaccessible to Solomon. Everything he wanted was at his fingertips. But look at verse 11 of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. All of these things that he acquired, everything that he'd given his heart to, he says, but as I looked at everything I'd worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless like a chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Keep that up there for just a second. The immensity of his kingdom, all of these things that he'd given his heart to, he calls meaningless. Chasing after the wind. In fact, he uses that phrase, chasing after the wind, about a dozen times. He uses that phrase, uh, meaningless, or that word meaningless, about 24 times in his writing. Giving his heart to so many things and yet finding it all void. You see, there's an endless list of things that, we draw, that draw our hearts. Endless things that we give our hearts to but ultimately, there's a call on our lives and an invitation for each one of us to give our hearts to something. But it's not people, it's not places, it's not things, it's not a beach in the Caribbean, it's not a nice cozy cabin up in, in Colorado. It might not even be one of the best sports teams that's ever got onto the field but it's the Lord. We're called and we're invited to give our hearts to the Lord. Take a look at Mark chapter 12. 
And in Mark chapter 12, we're told that Jesus was making a visit to uh, the temple. Uh, it was his third such appearance at the temple. He'd, he'd made a couple of previous visits to the temple, and here, once again, he's, he's bantering back and forth with the religious rulers, with the, with the, the leaders of the, of the law. And they're poking and prodding him. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to catch him uh, in, a, in a contradiction. And in this case, in this time, in Mark chapter 12, verse 23, they say, tell us, Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus, what, what is the pinnacle of commandments in the law? Tell us, will you? And it says in verse 30 that Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he goes on and he says to love with equal emphasis, he says to love your neighbors yourself. But what does he say first and foremost, right out of the gates? What does he say as the prime imperative in response to these religious rulers? He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. In fact, what he's saying is love God. Of all the things you can hook your heart to, of all the things you can attach your heart to, that you can give your heart to, love the Lord. Love God. It sounds simple, right? Love God. There we go. Sermon's done. Close the doors. Worship team, come on up. We'll give the benediction and rope the doors. If it were only that easy, right? Love the Lord. Okay. How come that doesn't happen? When we were given the instruction, when we're given the invitation to love the Lord, why can't we get there? If it were only so simple. You ever been driving somewhere and uh, even though the GPS is telling you to go somewhere, you can't get there? Well, it was a, a number of years ago, Deanna was flying in from... Uh, um, from Ireland, um, the church had sent a team, one of many teams that we, we've sent over there. And uh, Gabe and I went to Grapevine Mills. This was just after all the construction happened on the north side of uh, DFW there. And, and so we're at Grapevine Mills because we thought, at least I thought, that if we're close, um, we could kind of monitor her flight. And when she landed, we could be there really quickly. Uh, she wouldn't need to wait. We wouldn't need to wait to see her. It just kind of happened that way. So we're at Grapevine Mills, and we're following, and uh, her plane lands, and so I say to Gabe, okay, let's get in the car, let's go. Well, have you ever tried to get from Grapevine Mills to DFW Airport? <laughs> like, it's there, you can see it. You can't get there. It, it is like impossible. I don't know if the GPS, you know, Siri, or whoever the lady was on there who was, it was yelling out instructions, but it's redirecting, recalculating, recalculating. It's like there's no road here. Well, they changed all the roads around and moved things around, put signs where they didn't belong. And, and like we end up in South Lake, and then we end up heading toward Dallas. I'm like, well, how do we get to the airport? It's, it seems so easy, but you can't get there. It's the same thing with giving our hearts to the Lord. It seems so remedial. It seems so, so elementary, and yet it's so hard to get there. It's difficult. If anyone knew this, just listen to the Apostle Paul. So here's Apostle Paul. 
Paul was this, this guy who's, who's breathing out murderous threats to, to all the Christians. He's persecuting the Christians. He's against everything that, that, that God sent his son to do. He's, he's refuting Jesus as the, the risen Lord. He's, he's persecuting the, the, these followers of the way. And then he has this encounter, encounter with the risen Lord, with the incarnate Christ. He has this encounter on the road to Damascus. His life is turned upside down. If anyone knew how to give his heart to the Lord, it was Paul. And yet look at what he has to say in Romans chapter seven. If anyone had the experience to back the the expression, it was him. Yet in Romans seven, verse 15, he says this, I I don't really understand myself. You ever ever been there? I, I don't really understand what's going on. He says, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I want to give my heart to God, but I, I, I fall flat so many times. He, sa- he says, instead, I do what I hate, but I know that what I'm doing is wrong. This shows that I agree that the law is good, so am, I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin that's living in me that does it. Look at verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right. I want to give my heart to God, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I want to give my heart to the Lord, and yet I can't. I want to love the Lord with all my heart but I find it so difficult. You ever been there? Has that ever been your resolve? I want to, but I fall short. I can't get there from here. That's the epidemic. That's the characteristic of sin in our lives. Paul says in Romans uh, 1, verse 21, he says, although they knew God, they, they, they couldn't worship him. They couldn't glorify him. They they didn't give thanks to him. They knew him. They knew what they should do, but yet they couldn't follow through in it. There was a barricade. And I believe there's a barricade that, that stands between us and God in fulfilling that invitation to give our hearts to him. It's called sin. Sin is what separates us. Sin is what, what provides that chasm between us and God. It's a separation. It's, it's as if we don't belong. Let me put it this way. Um, some of you are Cowboys fans. I assume there's maybe a couple of you here in, the, in, in uh, Crossroads here this morning. You don't have to cheer too loudly, but um, this is a picture of uh, the Cowboys um, locker room. I believe it's out at the, the Star in Frisco. Uh, about a year and a half ago or so, we got to go out there. We didn't go into the locker room, but this is a picture from there. I want you to imagine standing in that locker room. You are in cowboy Mecca. This is like the cowboy's holy of holies. And you're standing there in uh, cowboy country in, in the very heart of, uh, of the cowboy kingdom. And all of a sudden, Dak Prescott comes walking in 
and Des Bryant comes walking in, Jason Witten comes walking all the all the players come walking in, and and you are in the middle. You're 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 talking to them like friends, you're you're hanging out with them, you're you know telling stories. Hey, I remember that one catch you made, I remember that one throw. Oh, that was such a great game, you guys, and you're just having this awesome time hanging out. Even Jerry's there, and you're having a good time, even with Jerry. And, and life is grand, and just imagine, just picture yourself there. You belong, you belong, you belong, right? Unless, unless you're dressed like this, okay? For those of you who don't know, that's a Washington Redskins fan, and uh, you know, could you imagine it now, if you're standing in Cowboy Kingdom, dressed like this, and all of those players, and Jerry comes walking in, dude, you don't belong. What are they going to do? I can almost guarantee it. It might be nice. I doubt it would be, but you would be outside really, really, really quick. You would. You wouldn't be hanging out with Dez and Dak and, his, and Zeke. You wouldn't be hanging out with those guys. You would be outside looking in. Well, that's the, the sin that separates us from the presence of God. We do not belong in his presence uh, with sin in our lives, and we can't get there from here. It, it seems for me, it seems like, oh yeah, well the kingdom of God is in cowboy country and, and I'm sorry to, to relate uh, sin to those of you who might be Washington Redskins fans, but it, it could work the exact opposite, trust me. I, you know, I, I repent right now if you're, you're from Washington, D.C., but, but it can work the other way. It's like a Cowboys fan saying, you don't belong. We cannot give our hearts to the Lord because sin gets in the way. We can't get there from here. But thankfully, there's a solution to our deceitful heart, to our hard heart, to our calloused heart. There's a solution. And it comes in, in, in two forms. There's an initial step, and then there's a follow-up step. I call it a surrender and a softening. A surrender and a softening. Some people use the, the term sanctification. It's just a, 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 a fancy term for transformation and the, and the making holy of something that is unholy. That's what sanctification means. So if you think of that, this, this transformation of something that is unholy to something that is holy, something that is for common purposes and, and transforming it into something that is for, for noble purposes in God's kingdom. It's this transformation that takes place and there's, there's truly two parts of that. There's a first part, a, something that, that, that takes place, that, that changes us from sinful to righteous, from unholy to holy. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the surrender of our hearts. And then scripture also talks about this ongoing transformation that takes place. See, it's an event, but it's also a process. There's a, a surrender of our hearts that's required, but there's also this process of softening and transforming, moving on. When you, hear me, when you surrender your life to Christ, at that point of conversion, at that point you give your life to Christ, sin is paid for, you're set free, and you're a child of God. That's done. But as Paul talks about, there's also this ongoing transforming of our hearts so that 
we can continue to give our hearts to him and overcome those barriers that stand in the way, the sin that we struggle with on an ongoing basis. Christ died on the cross, first of all, to save you. Secondly, to conform you more into his image. Let me put it this way. Uh, let's just pretend we're all going on a ski trip. Uh, we took a trip about a month ago up to New Mexico and uh, let's just pretend we're all going on this ski trip and, and uh, we get this big, huge bus that we can all fit in and we get up there and, and we pile out of this bus and we, we go into the lodge and, and they have the ski boots lined up and they have the skis lined and you get your boots on and you click into those skis. That moment, you have gone from, whether you've ever been on a slope or not, you have gone from a non-skier to a skier. You have skis on. You are a skier. And you go out on the hill and you fall and you roll and you tumble and, you know, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. But you click into those skis, you're a skier. So there's a, an event that takes place, a moment where you cross over that line from non-skier to skier. A month ago, we were on the, on the hill, and there's many pictures that look like this. This is of a ski instructor and a student. You'll notice the student has some skis on, taking instructions from the teacher. You know what I saw a month ago when I was on the hill? We were there for three days and we we're skiing. We'd see the same kids and the same even adults taking classes. The more and more that the student watched the teacher, the more and more that the student was led by the teacher, the more and more the student skied like the teacher. That's a picture of this ongoing transforming of our hearts. You see, the more and more we allow Christ to teach us and to lead us, the more we allow him to be our guide, the more we turn to him and watch him, the more we conform to his likeness and conform to his image, the more able we are to give our hearts completely and wholly to him. The struggle that Paul talks about is real. I want to. I want to. Just like the kid who's on skis and going, I want to ski like that pro. I want to look like, I want, boy, I want to be able to get there. And little by 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 little, that young skier begins to learn, begins to get stronger, a little wiser. A little more apt to say, oh, don't do that again. Hey, that was a sweet spot. Let's, let's try that again. And it's this ongoing sanctifying, this ongoing transformation more and more into his likeness. So when Christ turns and says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, it's an invitation it's an invitation to turn away from, from those other things that are so easy to attach our hearts to. 
to turn and to first and foremost give our hearts to him. If you're here this morning, you've never put on the skis. You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. This is a place to start. You can make that decision right here, right in this place. The invitation's there. It goes along the lines of, God, I thank you for loving me and sending your son to pay the price for my sins so that this gap, this this chasm between you and me can be eliminated and I can stand in your presence. Holy, pure, righteous. I can stand in that cowboy's dressing room knowing I belong. I can stand in your presence holy, pure, righteous, because my sin is paid for by Jesus Christ and his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. You can make that decision to receive that gift right here today. If you've made that decision, it's not like you just tap in, okay, I'm in the club and here we go. And Because as Paul says, there's, there's these barriers. Sin keeps attacking us. Sin keeps getting in the way. And, and we find it just futile trying to give our hearts to God but you know what God's even made provision for that too he says I want to conform you more and more and more into my likeness in Ezekiel the prophet talks about exchanging this heart of stone for heart of flesh you see we, 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 we get just callous to what God wants to do in our lives even though we've given our lives to him surrendered our lives to him Ezekiel cries out for God's people and says, God, would you come and would you exchange this hard heart for a soft heart? That I'd hear you more. I'd, I'd know your will more. I'd be conformed more and more and more into your likeness. You ask him to do that, he'll do that. So I invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and we're just going to pray. God, for those here who've never surrendered their lives to you. They've never crossed over that line of faith. Lord, I pray pray today, right here in this place, would be a decision time. Saying yes. The invitation's there. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Remove the separation. Thank you for welcoming me into your presence. suspect that a good number of us here in this room have prayed that prayer stepped over the line of faith but what you've realized is that this day-to-day living is isn't a cakewalk it's not just one and done it's not just a okay yes and off to the races if it were that easy I don't know if we'd need to meet here every Sunday. If it were that easy, I don't think we'd need to encourage one another. If it weren't that easy, I don't know if we'd need the ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But once again, Lord, you've made provision for that. You've given us your spirit. And you've provided a way for us to continue to learn and to continue to grow. Becoming more and more like our instructor. Becoming more and more like Jesus. Conformed to his likeness. Transformed by the renewing of our mind.
And so, Lord, we not only surrender our lives to you today, but we ask that you'd come and soften our hearts today. Lord, our end goal is that we'd give our hearts to you. Hear the cries of our heart. Hear our prayers, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm inviting you to stand. Ministry team's going to be here at the front. If you're coming around the um, baptistry here, there's a little bit of water. Just be, be careful as you step. I want to open up the, the front of the altar here. The altar for anyone who would love to come and uh, receive ministry. It might be something we've talked about here today. Just that acknowledgement of growth, acknowledgement of, of a soft heart, acknowledgement of what God wants of you, and that is to give your heart to Him. You might also be here, and you have a need on your heart. Um, it's part of life. It's a part of what we go through, and this is what the community of faith is about. You heard Cody talking about family. I love uh, the Crossroads family. We're, uh, you've heard me say this, a uh, uh, place where mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. That's a part of the, the Christian faith that we, we come alongside one another. If you have a need in your heart, we'd love to pray with you, whether it's a physical need, if maybe it's a financial need, something to do with relationships. Um, know that God hears your prayer, hears the desires of your heart, and also has a solution for that. So if we can pray with you, we'd love to do that. Um, thanks for being with us in worship. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but let's just set our hearts on the Lord and worship before we're dismissed, okay?